Hello everyone and welcome back to the Running Minds podcast. I'm your host Helen Keenan, and I'm excited to start this next season. I know it's been a long time since series one but you know 2020 rocked the boat a bit. My master's course kind of took over my life. <laughs> but to kick off this next season I have a great guest for you. Today I'm joined by my friend and fellow runner Hannah Knight. Hey! <laughs> so how are you? How are you doing? Yeah I'm good at the moment thank you. How are you? all right yeah you know everyone's just trying to keep sane yeah exactly staying on top of everything yeah um so can you tell us a bit about you yeah um so I studied at Loughborough University so I did a BSc in geography and sports science and then throughout that degree I kind of decided that I wanted to go more down the exercise medicine path so then I did a master's in exercise medicine finished that and graduated last year um and then I since have done a PT qualification um and I'm trying to go down kind of the health and well-being sector um for me like when the first lockdown happened I was actually because I finished my master's and then I went straight into a job um everything was really intense as you probably know like master's is hard yeah um like do you know what the worst is is like when you get to semester three and you've got a power through the summer when everyone's just like chilling having like good times in the sun and you're still working up until like that September um and then because I went straight into a job like in October so I had like no time off when it got to lockdown I was (laughs) low-key a bit like thank god like I needed a break um so that's I kind of dealt really well with the first lockdown just because I kind of I went back home um spent some time like with my family which I didn't really get to do like all of last year 2019 yeah um which was really lovely and obviously the weather helped like I'm a sun worshiper so being (laughs) being locked down in the sun actually was quite nice just got a really good tan um and then obviously came back and then here we are in lockdown three (laughs) a few months later so do you know what though I'm I am doing all right because I feel like as we were talking about the other day, like just keeping on top of like a routine. Um, and if you've got like a, a daily routine that you you kind of know you're doing each day, you kind of get in your little world rather than thinking about the external world and like what's going on everywhere else. You're just kind of like, well, let me just make my porridge. <laughs> let me do my stretches. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you get in your own little world and it's quite good really. In the first lockdown you know how, how everyone got into running and like being outdoors yeah. and I did a session this morning and like it was really nice because usually I say on a Saturday morning mm-hmm. I see a few people in the village but not many but I swear like I was doing these hill reps and there was about at least 10, 10 people different sets of people going up and down this hill as well like in different directions really and I was like oh <laughs> I know it's not raining but at least people are getting out there in the cold you know what it used to be I remember when I don't know maybe about four or five years ago when I used to do hill reps um back home when I was a 400 meter runner I used to be like sprinting up these hills and like people would be going on like a casual walk with their family (laughs) and they'd be looking at like what she like why is she sprinting up that hill like that (laughs) and I remember they used to say to my mum like what's she doing (laughs) my mum used to be like oh she's she trained she's an athlete but now I feel like like shifted a bit like the culture's a bit different and everyone kind of is like everyone's running up the hill it's like everyone's everyone understands now 
Yeah, I also think in Loughborough, like no one bats an eyelid now. Like regular townies yeah. just kind of think, oh yeah, there's another runner. Oh yeah, there's another. Yeah, that's how it is here. <laughs> Everyone's I, just running around. Yeah, exactly. You've um, obviously been running for a while, but can you tell us how you transitioned from sprinting? Well, you said heptathlon when you were younger, then sprinting, then hurdling. Yeah. Then distance running. This is yeah. the most unique transition I think I've I've literally never met anyone else that has got that no. actively decided to move from sprinting to distance running in yeah. their twenties or early twenties. You know what it was though. So when I was um when I was in school, it was like it, I was just did a bit of everything. Like I did all of the sports, not just athletics. I did a hockey, netball, you know, like all of them. And then it was only when like we did these school athletics competitions and I'd like, I'll be put in the 200, the 800, the long jump, like all, like all of the events. And then it was when like I started doing well at them and then my, my teacher was like, go to an athletics club. And I actually remember I put off joining athletics club for about two years because I was scared. Um, then I eventually went when I was actually quite old. I was about 15. I went to the my athletics club. And then when I got there, they were like, I got channeled into sprinting and long jump so like 200 meters of long jump was kind of my two events and then my coach was like do you know what I think you should do multi-events and then he was like do you know what I think you should do 400 meter hurdles and then by this point I was like go about to go to uni so then I was like oh I don't know if I want to do that's a bit long like 400 meters is a bit long this is my <laughs> mindset like back because I remember I got put in the cross country team at school and I was I was good at it but I hated it like so I, I always went more down the sprinting route in, in school in school days but um so then when I went to uni then I I was like do you know what let me just give this 400 hurdles like a proper go um so I joined the specific group for that when I came to uni and then that's when I got good at that um but I just I, I was a bit late to the to the bus I think I kind of tried to do everything like within like three years and then then I was at uni and I had to specialize do you know what I mean so yeah it was a weird one and then obviously <laughs> three years down the line four years at uni doing 400 hurdles I was a bit like a bit bored now like I wasn't progressing so obviously everything that happened so then I was like yeah I'll step up I kind of found that I was enjoying like the endurancey training more like I was better at it so then I thought like if I join a different group um then I'd get to do that all the time do you know what I mean so yeah it was more like an enjoyment thing by that point which is why I've kind of it's so ironic because in school I was like no nah, I'm not doing cross country um but now I'm like doing more of the longer stuff and it's like more of what I enjoy you see what I mean so that's that's the reason <laughs> yeah it's just so it's so interesting to me like you've come over to the dark side you know dark side distance running um it's just so I do great. enjoy the quick sessions though I'm not gonna lie yeah you do the quick sessions Hannah, Hannah's off She's gone. <laughs> okay, there. Wow. Okay, she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Just not as quick as the ones I used to do, like the two hundred reps and stuff. Oh, I too much pressure. The trainers, it's mad. It's mad the pressure. So you'd go down to training and you'd have one three hundred meter rep, and then twenty minutes later you'd do another one, and it's just like there's so much pressure on times and very competitive and stuff. Like the atmosphere in the in the middle distance group is a lot more like you know you can get yourself into it and stuff mm. how did you cope with the recoveries because I remember like I did like more 
a bit sprinty more like middle distance when I was younger yeah. and I love the long recoveries and then when I moved up and the coach was like oh jog recoveries I'm like that is not a recovery why are we jogging recovery means lay on the yeah. floor or like this walk is- around if you can <laughs> when I was a sprinter though I used to hate waiting 20 minutes so I would always be like walking back to the start and I'd be like whoa like we've still got eight minutes <laughs> So I actually quite liked, I quite liked having the you know, just bash it out. It's kind of like that. So you just get it done and it doesn't take as long and mm. you can kind of go down, do your session and then that's it. Rather than like spending <laughs> so long, like overthinking in between reps and stuff. Um, so yeah, so it's a funny one. I do find the floats quite odd though. I know what you mean. Like it's hard <laughs> when you've just finished a, a fast rep and then you've got a float which is like seven minute mileage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well float is a whole new term to me I feel like I'm very uneducated runner because I don't know being away I've never heard anyone use the term float before and then I came to Loughborough and then everyone was using it and I was like I don't even know what that means like are we jogging are we like going slightly slower I feel I, I still feel like I don't I'm not doing it properly but I don't know we go no everyone everyone has a different idea of the float as well it's funny I always take the float quite seriously as a float. <laughs> Whereas some people they look, they look as if like that they finish the rep and then they just kind of carry on the rep. And I'm like, yes. no, oh, yeah. you're floating. <laughs> what is yeah, the, it is a mm, What is the biggest difference you found between the like sprinting middle distance world and the distance world? Would you say it's the performance thing you were talking like the not performance the pressure you were talking about or something different um yeah I guess it's more it feels more um more like a community I don't know if that's just the way we train but obviously like with us it's like we turn up and then there's not really pressure like even even the fact that we all start together and then you all start at different points in the field and it doesn't feel as if you're racing do you know what I mean it's kind of like you run how you want to run you push yourself to what you want to push yourself to whereas in sprinting it's very much like we're doing a 300 meter time trial everyone get in your own lane and it's very obvious as to like who's struggling that day or who's winning that do you know what I mean and it's very like mental um because obviously when you do a rep and you're in you're at the back you don't feel great like that's just human nature um so it's more kind of that I think that's the biggest difference is um the fact you can just kind of be in your own little you know do what you want to do push yourself to what you want to push yourself but then when you're on a track in your own lane it's like everyone can see like yeah. how are you doing like really obvious and everything's like recorded to the like point one of like your times and if you're not feeling great for a session um and then you see all of your like times listed next to everyone else's afterwards you're just a bit like oh gosh do you know what I mean so that's probably the biggest difference. There's no like, it's not as much comparison in training. I don't know, I guess in competition, it's pretty similar. Competition is competition. Um, but yeah, in training, I think it's a lot less competitive. It's more like everyone's working together in the in the middle distance groups. Yeah, I can definitely relate to the, to the idea of it being so like intense with the timing especially like on the Mm. tracks I have always had a love-hate relationship with track like I used to 
love it way more than cross country and then it's then it flipped and I was like when I understood cross country was more about where you finish rather than times uh, or yeah. like sometimes ties mattered more in America but not really that much here and that I really like that because it's like okay more about your position whereas mm-hmm. yes occasionally like championship meets or championship races on the track obviously you don't really care about how fast you run if you win yeah um but yeah. it's you against the clock but then that's also what makes it interesting because it makes you it can just be your own journey rather than you comparing with others because it's like okay someone could be way faster than you but if you've managed to run a personal best then that's like a great accomplishment for you Mm -hmm. and it's not always about then again it's not always about winning and losing because sometimes you could be in a fast race and you finish last but then if you still pb you're probably still going to be pretty happy yeah what is your opinion of cross country now has that changed do you like mud i remember one of the sessions last semester where hannah so hannah was wearing trainers and I think all the rest of us have wore spikes rarely I'm not prepared well I'm usually not prepared but that day I was like okay Helen I do think it's going to be muddy you should probably bring your spikes today thank god I did because it was a sloppy mess like you were slipping and sliding everywhere I was like she's going she's going (laughs) I felt like the um is it the road runner when when he's like moving his legs really quick but he's not moving anywhere yeah it's like I put planted in and it would just slip back again and I was like what am I gonna do <laughs> so yeah, I remember I said I was like Bill I'm gonna have to run on the inside of the field <laughs> yeah that wasn't a great great uh time my shoes were also like completely covered I had to put them in the wash oh, um what was the original question? <laughs> Sorry, I went massively sidetracked. Um, <laughs> your views on cross country now, has it changed? Oh, yeah. still like, no, I hate it. <laughs> no, it's massively changed. I, I actually said when obviously back in, say, August, when it was looking a bit more like rolling was coming to an end, obviously it's not. Um, we thought we were going to have some cross country races, didn't we? So I said to Bill, because of the lack of track, like, I will do cross country this year. Um, and he was like, oh, and then obviously hasn't happened but I did kind of say I would do it this year because I wanted to experience it I also think it's really good for building strength through the winter um that sort of thing so yeah I'm more optimistic about it now oh that's (laughs) that's so exciting I love yes as well it's like it's obviously more enjoyable when you actually train for it whereas when I was in school I did sprints and then I was in the cross country team and I was like this is hard Mm. (laughs) um do you know what I mean? So I also think the cross country here, except one, except when they move the distance up to like 8k or something ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> but when it's like 5k or 6k, I think people who are less distance focused or initially weren't like can get away with being or can do better because it's a yeah. lot more strength based because you need must like you need to be able to have that muscular strength to get up the hills and get through the mud. Whereas like in America, a lot of the cross country races were so flat and it was basically just like doing a track or road race with really, really suit like proper distance runners yeah. who like could go quick at that pace. Yeah, that's intense. I'm not, I don't know. I'd like to see how I um, how I did, to be fair. Exactly. Another thing that um, I know we wanted to talk about today mm-hmm. is um, Red S and your experience with that and I just for people who don't know I'll explain what that is so 
Redus was developed from the female athlete triad and it usually is locked, uh, linked with eating disorders, especially in sport. So the female athlete triad include, includes disordered eating, amenorrhea and osteoporosis, which so basically a female athlete who doesn't fuel their body properly, often which is caused by like disordered eating, can this can lead to like several or more periods are lost and you don't have periods during that time. And then that consequently leads to like the weakening of the bones means you're much more likely to have stress fractures and, and lots of the bone related injuries. So typically research focus on like how adolescent girls were affected by this problem because they're still growing, the bodies are changing. But since then, the research has discovered that like male athletes are also at risk of these health issues. And the research has been going on for a while, but they only really coined the term Red S um, in 2014. So the International Olympic Committee released the term Red S or relative energy deficiency in sport. And it basically describes a like kind of umbrella term. And the athlete, female athlete triad is included within Red S. Basically affects every organ in the body. So physiologically, like you'll have cardiovascular problems and like metabolism will be affected, but also a lot of people don't consider is like the mental effects too. So you can become like more irritable, you can lose focus and cognition changes as well. So, and the athletes at risk of redness are people in three different types of sports. So gravitational sports, so ones which um, weighing less can usually be like a good thing for example, distance running and cycling. And then the other is weight class sports, which are, so weight is usually important for performance and it splits in people into different categories. So boxing and rowing. And then finally sports that emphasize leanness and aesthetics, such as like diving, gymnastics and dance. And I know recently you posted on your Instagram about your experience with Red S. And first of all, I want to say like a massive thank you for doing that because like opening up about your like story and your experience so clearly and also just generally like without a filter and without putting a brave face on it sort of thing like is really like refreshing I don't know I've not really seen many people talk about it like that yeah. and for anyone who hasn't seen the post um check it out um and share it with fellow athletes because I do think it will really help raise awareness of these these issues um, do you mind telling us a bit about how like your relationship with food over the years and how that transitioned into underfueling and red S problems? Yeah, so obviously, um, yeah, that post and just in general, it's kind of it was it was hard to do because it's one of those things that, like now um, I try I like to try and like forget that, that even happened because because I'm so like in a different place now do you know what I mean so it's it's difficult to kind of go back to to that and like be like okay let me try and raise awareness for other people um because obviously now I see myself as completely different to that um so yeah it was difficult to obviously do that but I think if more people kind of do that then it might help others you know like the younger athletes coming coming up um I think it's red s in general is like one of those things where um you're more likely to be affected if you don't know about like what it is um so yeah for me um it was 
it was before I came to uni um I didn't even think twice about anything to, to do with you know anything to do with like diet or um how much I was training I literally just was at school I, I got told to go training went training and then went home and ate do you know what I mean it wasn't like I didn't really think twice I just kind of did went through the processes and then I remember when you come to uni obviously you're more in control of like what you eat your friends have a big influence because you're with them a lot you're with them most of the time um training partners so I remember in my training group I would obviously see other people in my training group that were a bit more advanced in athletics than me um and they would be kind of talking like oh um I'm gonna have this for dinner or oh, I'm not gonna have have that chocolate bar like no I'm an athlete kind of thing and then I started to think like oh maybe I should be thinking more about like my like what I'm eating maybe it'll make me better like that kind of mindset this is obviously I was a first year I was fresher at uni hadn't started my course really yet like hadn't learned anything about what's smart um which is this, this is the thing like I think that's why it's an issue and it needs to be brought to younger athletes attention and their coaches maybe to like watch out for stuff um but yes yeah, so for me it was kind of like the first year actually I I feel really well I remember because um I'd like picked up my mum's cooking and stuff so I cooked for myself we through freshers year really good like I was really fueled I was really strong coming into the season of my first season at uni and then I remember for the season everyone's talking like oh we're going to lean down for the season I was thinking what does that mean lean down for the season you know like terms like that. yeah um get lean and and that thing like like turns and then I was like oh well maybe I should lean down for the season like thing I was kind of just like following terms without knowing what they meant you know things like that um and then I remember that was that was the year that I downloaded my fitness power which is obviously we've spoken about tracking apps um and then that was probably the turning point without me knowing I was just kind of tracking to, to try and be like oh let me eat healthy to try and be a better athlete but the problem with an app like that is you put in your current weight you put in whether you do a lot of sport or no sport and obviously I put in a lot of sport but an app is an algorithm generalized to the whole population and they don't understand that you're obviously training a lot a lot like you're exerting your body like an athlete is a bit different to someone just going on a five minute run do you know what I mean so that's when apps can be a harmful addition to people who are in kind of a naive situation like I was um, and then I obviously when you're an athlete you see on the app like oh I've got to eat 1800 calories a day so then I'm like you make it competitive yourself you're like well I've got to eat that many otherwise I won't be a good athlete do you know what I mean so then it came it got to like that point and I was very like thinking about what I should be eating to be able to perform better um, and then that season I actually ran really really well but obviously that's that is a symptom of it as well so the first season you lean down and and you run well you run well because you've had a basis of like years of like strength and then you lose that tiny bit of weight and you're like quick so I did well that season um made the England squad like stuff like that and then obviously that just fuels the mindset um, which is another really common symptom and then I was I carried on kind of tracking and 
it was restricting without me knowing it. I should be eating more than 1,800 calories when I'm training hard, like as a student athlete. Um, so then it, it got to the point where I was like restricting for a long period of time. I wasn't eating enough. It wasn't balancing out what I was exerting. And then by the following year um, in the pictures that I posted, I was obviously like unknowingly really, really like underway. I wasn't, it got to a point where I wasn't performing well, like in training, I'd be like, why am I hitting these times? Um, stuff like that. And then that's when the people, I remember I went home for Easter that year, I think it's second year. And people were saying like to my mom, like I've seen Hannah's kind of thin, like she eating properly at uni. And my mum would be like, yeah, 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 she eats like well and stuff. But obviously it's hard to, to see that when I'm at uni, you know? So um, it was a bit like naivety, um, like following things that aren't quite the right information. Um, and then that's when I was kind of like, I lost my period as well. So the, the season I did well, um, I lost my period just before that season, like probably in the April, which to me at the time I was like, brilliant like I don't have to deal with my horrific menstrual cycle that I used to have and then I remember mentioning it to some of my teammates and they were like oh that's probably not normal and I was like nah like sure it'll be fine and then it got to the year after when everyone started like saying like comments and stuff um like for my own good then I was like okay maybe it's not that normal so then when I realized my performance dropping I obviously just was a bit thin on the thin side I went to the GP and I was like I told them what happened like my, my peers have stopped for about a year now and um, things like this and then obviously um this was before the the red s term was kind of coined and GPs were aware of it so they kind of were like oh okay well can you can you stop training and I was like no That's the answer for everyone. I literally I remember I was like well no I can't like I'm on the university squad like I, I want to do well like at this point in my head I was like because I'd had such a good season the year before I was just trying to get better so when they said that to me I was like are you mad no I can't like I can't just stop training what do you mean it's like my identity do you know what I mean it was like who I was um so that was obviously the first thing that they shouldn't have said and then they they obviously just didn't really know what it was they just thought oh well to get your menstrual cycle back you need to stop exerting yourself so much but actually, if I'd been referred on then to like, say a nutritionist that could have looked at my, um, what I was eating and been like, look, you're actually not eating enough. Um, you're not fueling enough. Then I could have carried on training, maybe pulled it back a bit, um, not as intense for a while, just until I could get back to that healthy point where your body is like happy. Because obviously if you don't have a mental cycle, your body's telling you, hold on, like I can't sustain this, like it's not sustainable. Um, which is why like your system starts shutting down um, and like the thyroid function and stuff like that. It goes a bit iffy, <laughs> um, things like this. So then the doctor was like, well, okay, if you can't stop training, then we'll put you on the pill to force your, force your menstrual cycle. Yeah. Um, so I was like, um, okay. I was like, if that's like what we're gonna have to do, because obviously it's the GP. So you trust them. Um, what I wish would have happened is if they were a bit more aware at the time of like what a, a sports person, you know, needs. Um, I think there's a massive gap between like the doctors and sports doctors, knowing kind of what a, a sports person is different to a normal person um, and being referred on to a sports nutritionist, sports dietitian that could have helped me in that way. But obviously 
I just got put on the pill and actually for a while I this was back quite a while back now and I was a bit worried about the pill just because you know there's there's a lot of rumors about it in general and I didn't take it for a while um it took me I think about six months to take it so I then I went another kind of bit of time um having no metro cycle and then I eventually started taking it I think it was 20 2017 like September and then um that obviously forced my metro cycle and it made me feel a bit more normal and the only good thing is about it is obviously your estrogen if you don't have a menstrual cycle you don't have any estrogen and then that puts you at risk of kind of bone bone health kind of densities and stuff like that so they said to me they're like if you go on the pill then we can make sure you're getting your estrogen so that's what happened um and then yeah i stayed on the pill um and then this is when this is when actually because obviously the pill changes quite a lot about um you like it's, it's quite underspoken about but I, if you speak to every girl that's ever been on the pill they'll notice a difference as soon as they go on it so it's like you 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 instantly feel um you'll see like bodily changes like you know like um the female parts and stuff like you'll you'll, you'll feel like mental changes like you're more emotional for instance like a lot changes um when you go onto the pill and I actually remember I think it did help me in a way because I was like obviously by this point I'd educated myself a lot um and I'd got further in my degree and things like that I've read read a lot of books and um spoken not to professionals but spoken to a lot of people who are older than me like athletes that were older than me who could have who like tried to help and things like that so by this point I was pretty on the road to kind of knowing how to how to feel my body better and things and um and then by the time I got to 2018 I was in a much better way in terms of like my body weight I was a lot stronger um the pills obviously I was having like menstrual cycles of the pill um but yeah it's, it's difficult obviously to know whether I would have got the period back with without being on the pill or if it was just forced from from the um the pill but yeah so <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's been a long road yeah it's such a it just makes me so mad what that doctor said to you um for anyone this thing that relates to the problems about periods which is probably like a lot of girls is um would highly recommend listening to the female athlete podcast because I listened to that last year and I only just found out that the period you have on the pill isn't a real period it's just bleeding so and I got told this when I was younger too like oh you have a regular period to go on the pill and that is the worst thing you can say one to a woman anyway a a young growing woman and then second of all is even worse for an athlete because that is just masking the problems. You could go years of taking the pill and having bleeding times or bleeding periods, but doesn't mean that you actually have a regular, normal, healthy menstrual cycle. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think that's quite common. Like it seems to happen uh, all the time. And and it's the, I know it's hard for GPs because they're not always educated on how athletes are affected so like what you said it'd be really helpful to see specific like um doctors or physiologists or like nutritionists during that time 
Um, what do you think stopped you from seeing those people during that time? I think what it was, was um, I think it was kind of seen by my GP as like not that big of an issue when it really was. They didn't, um, the problem is when you say to someone, are, are you, you know, eating everything and you say, yeah, because I thought I thought I was, do you know what I mean? I thought I was eating enough um, when I clearly wasn't, but that's what I mean. There just wasn't that kind of link, like nothing ever got kind of solved. It was kind of just like, okay, well, the pill will give you a period back. Cool. See you later. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. I'll go on the pill then. And it was like, if they had just kind of asked a few more questions, maybe, then I would have been referred on to the right person and like got the proper help. But obviously because it wasn't clinical by definition, mm. um, I was on the borderline of, you know, being normal and underweight, you know? So by, by definition, it's not, a, it's not a clinical thing that needs help or needs to be referred on to a professional. Yeah. Um, but I think if, if say I went to a sports doctor who obviously normally is private, like you have to pay for, then it might have been a different story. But I think going to your, um, you know, like a regular GP, it's kind of quite difficult. They just see like, the biggest problem was the fact I didn't have a period, therefore put me on the pill and that's yeah. fine. They've solved that problem. But um, actually, interestingly, I went to a physio not long ago because of a different problem, shin splints. <laughs> not shin splints, but like, you know, I've told you about it, like a bit mm -hmm. of an issue with my shin slash foot. Went to the physio. And you know what? I was really impressed with the first thing he said was everything with fueling. Okay. Like you fueling well. And I was like, fair play. Like yeah. I literally was like, yeah, yeah, I am. And then I, I was like, fair, fair play for asking that though. Like that wouldn't have happened say five years ago. Mm. It wouldn't have even crossed any fresh, like, do you know what I mean? It wouldn't have crossed their mind. Um, so I think now there's just so much more awareness about what Red S is um, and how to, like look out for it in athletes if they present to you with a problem whether it be yeah so like a bone related problem or loss of menstrual cycle like any one of these problems then I think people are now like hold on let me just check whether they're feeling right because that might be the cause of everything and it's so simple to fix as long if you just get the right professional help um you can be back on track so quick without having to stop complete training so um, yeah, you just need to do it in the right way. Yeah, finally, I think people are actually making the effort to educate themselves and like, not even necessarily just younger people, like older people need to be re-educated in the topic. And I do, I wanted to ask you whether you think you're like studying of sports science and then later your master's helped you understand these topics more or help you recognize them within yourself like with underfueling red s and i know you've also mentioned in the past about orthorexia and for anyone like who doesn't know that would you be able to tell us about that yeah um so let me just get my definition out <laughs> <laughs> so orthorexia is um i actually interestingly i told you about this tonight so when um everything was happening and I was a bit like hold on I, there's something wrong here and um, my performance was dropping all of this I saw this book I think I was just I think you know when you're in the airport and you go in the bookshop and you're about to get on the plane and your dad buys some books 
yeah. it was like that sort of situation. And I saw um, this book called Orthorexia and I'd heard of the term before just from like, I used to read up about, you know, exercise, nutrition and stuff all the time just because I was interested. I turned it over and, and I read the, the, the blurb and I was like, it sounds a lot like me. <laughs> so then I bought it and I read it. I read the whole thing on the, on the flight. So I was so like interested in what it was and if it was like what, you know, what's going on with me in terms of like the way I was thinking and stuff. Um, so basically orthorexia, um, the book is by Rennie McGregor, if anyone wants to have a look into that. It's quite, it's quite a short book as well. So it's, you don't lose attention or anything. Um, so orthorexia is the clinical term is orthorexia nervosa. Um, it's actually an eating disorder, um, not disordered eating, that involves an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. But unlike other disorders, is orthorexia mostly revolves around like food quantity, um, quality, sorry, quality rather than quantity. So in terms of me, relating back to me, so I remember I used to have massive portions, but I remember my housemate used to say, yeah, but Hannah, it was a it was a plate of vegetables, like <laughs> yeah. a sweet potato and a chicken breast. You know what I mean? It was very like it looked a lot, and I used to be full from it. But in terms of energy density, it's not it's not good enough to match up to what you're exerting. So then, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, hold on. Like when I was reading the book, like yeah. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a light bulb situation. But um, yeah, and then unlike anorexia or bulimia or any of those eating disorders, people with orthorexia are rarely focused on losing weight, which as well I wasn't. So I was kind of like, this this does sound a lot like what's, what's going on in my head. Like it wasn't, to, to be fair, I wouldn't say it was a clinical kind of eating disorder, but I'd say it was very disorder thinking. Um, so the symptoms of orthorexia are... Um, I would say I probably had like three out of the, these five. Um, so the first one's emotional eating, which I actually didn't have. Um, Self-esteem um, is based on eating healthy foods, which I probably would say I didn't have that either. But then these last three, I probably would say I did have. So um, increasingly critical and more rigid about eating. Um, so that's kind of just thinking like you're planning out what you're gonna have. And if, if, it, if you can't have that, then you get a bit stressed, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, even like going out for meals at restaurants you get a bit kind of caught up like oh oh god like I don't know if I'm gonna you know stuff like that it's just being a bit more it's rigid about where you eat and what you eat um, number four is like feeling like certain foods are dangerous and no-go areas so for instance like sauces maybe um, I remember when when people used to cook say like a curry and they would use like you know, um, those jarred curry sauces and stuff like that. They were just yeah. full of sugar and all of that. I I used to think like, oh, like if someone else was cooking it for me, for instance, I'm, I'm obviously so grateful for anyone that cooks for me. So I used to eat it. But in my head, I remember thinking like, oh God, like this is a no-go area for me, like stuff like that. Whereas now I'd eat it without even thinking twice, like this fuel, whatever. Um, and then the fifth one is feeling guilty, ashamed, or compensating by missing meals when I'm unable to meet your diet standards. So for instance, um, if you kind of ate a caramel wafer bar, for instance, or a, or a whole thing of chocolate, then you'd be like, oh, maybe I should not eat dinner now because I've had my carbs. Do you know what I mean? Like that sort of thinking. Whereas actually, <laughs> cool, you've eaten, a, you've eaten a whole chocolate bar, but you still need to have a decent dinner with carbs, fat, and protein. Um, 
so yeah that's what orthorexia is and that's kind of how I related to it um and I think when I read that book I was it was a light bulb moment as I said and I was like okay now I think I need to do something about it and maybe not and like I kind of just educated myself out of it it was a long a long journey um uh yeah so I think interesting what you were saying about the book is really interesting that it was just like one you're just reading the blurb and you're like whoa yeah. okay this this could be it <laughs> yeah do you think that yeah. book really sparked like a change or do you think it was a con like a compilation of a lot of different elements or people in your you know what it was I think, I think by that point when I picked up the book I was at a point where I'd already accepted that I was under fueling um and I was already kind of on the road to getting healthier again so then I think I think if I picked up that book before I would have been a bit like oh nah like it's fine but then because I was already making those changes I'd already accepted that I needed to you know make a change and feel yeah. myself more I picked up and I was like okay let me educate myself even more um and understand that it's actually like not a normal thing but I'd never heard of that term before and I was kind of like actually wait I think that is what I've been thinking like do you know what I mean so it was kind of a bit of a yeah it resonated with me and I was like okay okay I know I need to make a change let me just find out what this book is saying and it was kind of just like part of the journey um and it was kind of it was reassuring in a way to know that it'd been written about before and it wasn't just me like it, yeah it was kind of a thing you know what I mean it was kind of a bit reassuring um so yeah <laughs> What do you think sparked that change that that um, like a day where you kind of had no like this needs to start I need to change this or is it kind of like a timeline of of noticing it, yeah I'd say it was more of a timeline it probably started when people started making comments I remember we were at um county champs and obviously I've been away at uni I came back for county champs and then um people I think it was my old school teacher actually was there watching her son and she was like, um, I've noticed, I think she saw a Facebook picture from the camp, the, the training camp that I put on my Instagram, you know, the selection of pictures. It was one of those pictures. And she pulled my mum's side. She was like, I saw some of the pictures from Hannah's uh, Tenerife trip. And I just thought she looked a bit on the thin side. It was like, and then I remember mum, and then another mum said something. So that day, my mum got two comments and she told me the night in the, in the evening. And I was like, oh really and then, then it kind of like hit home a bit and I was like okay that may and then my performance obviously wasn't great like I didn't have a great performance that day um you know there was a lot of like things wrong anyway it wasn't as if I was living my best life and people were saying this mm. um so then it kind of resonated a bit from then on I think and then yeah I started to educate myself a bit more trying like I think a lot of it was I thought to myself, okay, my performance is dropping now, which was obviously not what anyone wants. Um, and I was like, this must be correlated, it must be related. So a lot of it was like, if if I start fooling myself again, then maybe I'll get back to what I was before, like my performance will get better, which is obviously what is gonna happen. Like to be able to perform, you need to feel yourself. Um, so I think that's a lot of it was that um, I just wanted to be, you know, back healthy, back performing like I used to be able to. Um, 
and also you just live such a healthier life when you're not thinking like your your whole headspace isn't consumed by thinking you need to eat a certain amount of I don't know vegetables that day or whatever you just eat what and when you feel like it and what you need like you listen to your body a bit more so I think intuitive eating is a really good way to go um with that sort of thing so you're not putting any like constriction on anything no pressure um and I think you just kind of yeah it was a, it was a long process but after a while you know I got myself the other thing is when I was um I remember when I was on this Tenerife training camp like I I was eating ice cream and stuff but this is this is the, the fifth symptom like you feel like you have to compensate so we'd all have like an ice cream after training but then I think okay well I probably should have a quinoa salad for lunch do you know what I mean right rather than and everyone else had like a massive a fat sandwich like with yeah. bread and like you know stuff that's normal like fueling stuff um so I think it's stuff like that like not restricting anything um doing what's right for you I think because a lot of people you hear a lot of comments from other people I remember one time in first year someone said to me oh you shouldn't eat bread Why, what are you eating bread for and I was thinking what like I was like bombarded with so many different like viewpoints and I think when you're that young and naive you kind of just think oh well to be better as an athlete then I probably should take on board all these comments but actually it's just about like as you get older you find what works for you and you understand that you need to eat more calories than you're expending which is actually a lot more than most people think especially like this 2000 calorie like figure they've the, the government just pluck out of nowhere like it's yeah. so different for every person like it, you can't just eat 2000 calories but like, oh, okay sound like that's it like it's so different for every single person like metabolism um hormonal changes like even the different time in the month so yeah I think you just have to find what's for you and eat when when and what you want <laughs> I think it's really impressive um how you've overcome it like you seemed like you've talked about now and in the past about a lot of it being like self-help like you've changed your views your mindset your behaviors from like what you've been learning about in education but do you think if you had at the time or if you could go back in time um do you think having access to therapy would have influence this or do you think your own journey you were on you it was better that you did it by yourself and like how would you reflect on that you know what I think everyone's everyone's on a journey and I think what would have happened if I'd been referred straight away then it would have been a short amount of time I would have had to kind of gone through the process but then I still would have been on a journey after do you know what I mean so I think I think in terms of in terms of that I think it would have definitely been a good thing I don't think it would ever be detrimental anyway because these professionals are very good at what they're talking about and um, they even know kind of how to put it to someone rather than just saying well can you stop training they say yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean it's very important how you put across a point like that um so I think it definitely would have been good um and I think they kind of help you on your journey it's kind of like an accelerated journey do you know what I mean yeah so I obviously went on quite a long journey, um, which therefore affected my performance for a number of years. Um, so I still like just last year, 
I managed to get back down towards my PBs. Um, so it was a long time, about three years, I probably detrimented my performance. It, it, you don't just recover. It. It's not like you start feeling and that's it, cool. Like it affects your body for a long time. Um, and I think the quicker that someone can kind of notice it, accept it and, you know, kind of get help for it and begin their journey, um, it's, it's definitely a better thing, yeah. But I also think it would be better if in the first place you didn't fall off the bus anyway. So, you, you know, you're, you're on your journey without having to fall off. You kind of just yeah. cruise on your journey in your life and there's no falling off. And I think things like this, like raising awareness. Um, I remember even listening to some some podcasts and like even, as I said, like talking to older athletes. Um, it really helped me. And I think stuff like this can really help people to not fall off off the train or bus or wherever they're going um and then hopefully you know less people will have to go through it and they'll still perform as they want and they'll still remain healthy as well that's the most important thing um just in terms of like long like being healthy when you're older and you know for your long-term health um it's definitely more important <laughs> yeah those so preventative measures are just so are so key and need to be yeah a priority I just think awareness is a massive one because um, obviously when I came to uni and I was bombarded with all these comments that I'd never thought about before I wasn't I wasn't clued up enough to know now nah, they're wrong do you know what I mean mm. so like now if I heard a comment like that I'd be like silly <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like knowing that um and it's so easy it's just a bit of education and awareness um and that could definitely go a long way I think. Um, I wanted to ask you about your fitness page because I did a, mm. did a little stalk, scroll back um, <laughs> and found your like um, food post from 20 yeah. and like listening to you talk about the timeline of um, your experience with Red S was creating the page post like when you were or like did it help yeah. you fuel your recovery like how was that relationship it was, um, it was I started that page in the time where the the start of 2018 wasn't it it was like yeah I think the first post was the start of 2018 and that by that point I was very much near the end of my <laughs> journey um yeah so I think I started it as like do you know, I think, yeah, it was kind of just like, I've always enjoyed cooking. I've always enjoyed, you know, presenting food in a nice way, you know, like baking, like baking is a massive part of my life now. Um, and I kind of started it just because I wanted other people kind of to enjoy it as well. Um, and yeah, I think a bit of it was in my own way, I was trying to raise, raise awareness and be like, you know, carbs are good, <laughs> like, you know, but without kind of being forceful, because obviously back then, it was like no, it was a taboo subject you know that sort of thing um so I guess in my own way I was trying to like yeah raise awareness and it was for my own kind of you know like I was kind of proud you know that I'd come out the other side um so I think yeah subconsciously it probably was but I hadn't really thought about it till now um but yeah and then I kind of posted very rarely you know every every now and again a few bakes cookies here and there and then yeah this year I keep saying this year but it's actually January 2021 isn't it? <laughs> so the end of 2020 I was like 
yeah I'll start posting some more like um you know strength stuff as well because obviously that's that is a big part of my life as well as well as kind of the the nutrition side so it's kind of more like a, a, an all-rounded page now um trying to like help others I guess become stronger <laughs> happier yeah exactly I do think your content from the gym is really beneficial and I think it helps as well a lot of people a lot of female athletes especially realize that you shouldn't neglect like strength and conditioning and it's not all about toning losing weight and being mm -hmm really slim like you need to have those muscles to help you with you know what moments. an interesting point is um that I'm always fighting against is I've had so many girls like my friends even have been like oh so yeah to get a six-pack I need to you know eat salads I'm like no <laughs> yes oh god no don't do that you won't get a six-pack doing that like to build a six-pack you need to build muscle therefore you need to be in a calorie surplus yeah. <laughs> not deficit therefore salad won't help you have a six-pack um it's it's like little things like that that obviously to me now that's like second nature I'm like yeah. obviously like you need protein you need to be you need to be eating more calories than you're expending you know you need to do the strength work that is it's simple to me now but mm. when I speak to people I'm like wow like people actually don't know this like simple stuff yeah. and obviously that was me like five years ago yeah. I was that naive person thinking I need to eat salads to be a good athlete like no it's the common misconception because if people hear okay I need to increase calories then and then just um exercise or strength use strength work for my abs so they'll think okay well I just need to put on calories but then it's like the salad example you need to be fueling enough but also you shouldn't be restricting so the opposite end you shouldn't be just having a salad but then you, you shouldn't just be switching it or substituting it for a burger every day it's like having the in-between so like a salad plus maybe some bread on the side and a protein or like like chicken yeah. you're not eating meat or chicken so it's like a combination of all and just like not limiting like a lot of the diets out there are so toxic with like okay let's just get rid of one thing and like why are we getting rid of it not just reduce it same oh awful awful but um again that actually diet culture targets a really big population that are just naive like they don't they don't know what they need to do um it's just a money in some ways thing, I think we've it? been quite in recent years for like the last two or three two years for both of us like we've learned more about the what helps the body and what the body needs in terms of nutrition and dieting and that kind of thing because uh, as athletes which is like so often athletes are looking for like optimal wellness of their body whereas a lot of people don't have access to that information or learn these topics or discuss these matters so like how will mm -hmm. they ever know and like there's so many I like, literally just before this I was watching a YouTube video and this advert was just like click on this if you want to get abs all you need to do is eat less and I'm like no, oh my god I'm going to oh, throw my computer yeah. in the window <laughs> um I was talking to our friend Hannah the other day and she said like what's really mad is like when she was training in America um 
her meal that she has before a race is always a pizza. Obviously, that's a great meal, like high in carbs, um, fueling. And she said that her team were kind of like, they would like look down on that and be like, and it, she said it was kind of like a competitive thing between all the girls on the team. They were like, oh, well, I'm going to have a salad and I'll be better than you tomorrow kind of thing. And she said it was really difficult because, and as well, like even when you go around to maybe your friend's house and their mum is like, oh, she's an athlete. Do you want a salad? Like Hannah said that literally happened to her. Like she went around to her friend's house and then the mum was like, oh, we're going to have this, but I'm guessing you, you want a salad. And it's like this, this, this is massive like misconception between what we actually eat via like what people think you need to eat and I think that's also a big problem in terms of like diet culture people think okay well to be fit I need to make this drastic change and not eat anything bad and and like have salads every day and it's like actually no you don't need to do that like mm. so I mean it's it's a lot about education and awareness and what actually is good for your body mm. I think with the increased prevalence and discussion of these kind of problems on social media like especially like it's gone crazy on like TikTok and that kind of stuff um Mm. and I know I I actually try to follow accounts that promote like this more holistic view and like more honest and real content but there's still so much out there and you don't know and sometimes they put like a kind of this like a wash over their content and make it seem like they know what they're talking about when there's a lot of people who don't and yeah one thing that is really great that I know you're doing is the your blogging stuff and educating mm. people on different topics per month and how has that been for you um yeah yeah it's great it's it's like the happier souls in general is all about um it's kind of like a charity thing um in Loughborough Uni and basically just two students set it up and what they wanted to do was make help these people find their own happiness so kind of like direct them towards like this this would help you know but allow them to kind of find what works for them um and I think my role in it is kind of bringing the physical and mental health um and I think yeah they approached me and they were like look this is what we're kind of missing um so yeah then I I was like yes like of course like I'd love to do that because obviously it helps it helps me as well like develop my kind of writing skills and things like that and use kind of what I've learned all through my masters and like through my own personal experiences as well um so it's just another way of like helping people um and it's just a really great ethos behind Happier Souls. So, yeah, I really like being a part of it. Yeah, I've read some of the posts they've done and it's great. I love it. A new mm-hmm. page. I'm definitely following. People as well. um, what was that? Yeah, they're such amazing people, the people that like founded it. Mm. They're just the most like the happiest. Like whenever we do group calls, it's just like so refreshing. They're just so like lovely (laughs) um yeah it's nice to be surrounded by truly like lovely people do you know what I mean yeah so finally I wanted to end this podcast by asking you about 2021 goals and we both recently watched 
uh, YouTube video by Victoria Garrick, whoever, if you guys don't know who she is, I will tag the video in the show notes. And she's a former volleyball player and now influencer and she's she's just great. Anyway, she posts this video about setting goals and in it, she refers to the idea that goals can sometimes be limiting because you, you set them and you have in your mindset, right, okay, this is what I need to do to achieve this goal. And then you get to the goal and then you don't set one for afterwards or you do enough just to get to that point and not to progress further. And then contrast as well, specifically for athletes, like a lot of athletes, like we've talked about, are very achievement oriented and are like, okay, what numbers can I get? What times can I get? What positions can I get? And sometimes we forget to just like enjoy the process because when you look back at your like running career or um time at university again you might you might some people might disagree with me but you might look back and think about your times and your medals and stuff but usually it's like okay who who have I met along the way what are the fun times I've had the more of the experience so Victoria talked about setting new habits and intentions rather than goals and I wanted to ask you, Hannah, what your opinion on this kind of like this kind of goal setting, like habits and intentions instead are, and if you have any yeah. for this year or how you hope this year will turn out. Fingers crossed, better than 2020, but we just have to yeah. keep pushing yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually massive on the whole kind of adopting a lifestyle that's sustainable for you. So I feel like that kind of fits in with um making intentions rather than goals so it's like it's a lot less rigid it's more kind of um if you have an intention you kind of put it into your daily life um like I was saying so like I for instance it's kind of just like a way of life isn't it you kind of do your stretching like it makes you feel good and then that's kind of it's part of it would help your performance but it's also just part of like your lifestyle like that's how you kind of live and I think um making intentions um instead of goals is, is really good for that because it's like you're not just trying to reach a goal and it's really stressful because if you don't get to the goal then it's you know it's not that sort of thing it's kind of just like let me just try and make a bit of a lifestyle change um set an intention um and if it doesn't work for you then that's okay you just try another one um it's kind of a lot less rigid than setting a goal because I feel like as well when you're an athlete and you set a goal it's very much like if you don't make it it's like oh that you, you feel a bit down whereas if it's an intention it's it's not that deep do you know what I mean yeah it's more just a bit you're, you're trying to help yourself and if it doesn't help then cool do another one kind of thing um so I think this year for me obviously because of the shin stuff I've been having recently I've just really made an effort to kind of get on top of you know the stuff that you don't really it's a bit of a chore you know you go and do your massive session you're like oh now I'm tired like I don't want to do conditioning stuff and it's like making more of an effort to just you know spend like an extra few minutes you know do, like rolling your feet for instance like something like you can do that while you wait for the kettle to boil like stuff like that <laughs> I really really stuff um and it's like okay if, if you're a bit too tired one day then that's fine as well it's it's like kind of just accepting what your body feels like doing um rather than putting pressure on yourself I think as well you were saying before about keeping that routine because that's one of the only things we can control during this time, unless you're a government leader and can actually make changes, but everyone else is stuck in lockdown and it's keeping that lifestyle, that health 
those healthy habits and this is for athletes and non-athletes and for anyone just things that keep you going like your own routine I think is really important Mm. like finding your own little little way of kind of living I think that's really important it's like what works for you it wouldn't work for your friend it wouldn't work for your neighbor but if it works for you then that's all that matters Okay, so thank you so much for being on today. It's been so insightful just hearing about your story and just, again, what you said, it's so important to raise awareness of Red S and all these topics we talked about. And today I really wanted to finish with some fun, quick fire questions. How are we feeling about that? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so first of all, go-to smoothie. What would you have in it and why? Oh my god okay <laughs> i would have frozen banana that's sick like if you cut chop up the banana and then put it in the freezer and it makes any smoothie actually milkshake so i love a banana milkshake um <laughs> it makes just so much thicker um which you know like you don't want a, a thin one like you gotta have a thick one um in every aspect of life <laughs> <laughs> i love that so yeah go anyway go Go to milkshake, one off the point. Go to milkshake, banana, definitely. Thick one. Smoothie, probably. Oh, banana, fresh strawberries. Um, and then I don't know, whatever milk, whatever you want to put. Coconut water is a good one in the summer for electrolytes. Um, I always put a little bit of root ginger in. And it sounds Ooh. disgusting. That sounds but very with strawberry and banana, it's so nice because it's like it's sweet, but it adds like a little tang and it feels like well healthy. <laughs> nice love that i'm definitely going to try and give that a try (laughs) okay i know this next question is gonna be like really difficult for you so would you rather be gifted a matching set for like the gym (laughs) or a pair of like fierce night trainers fierce night trainers yeah just like you know (laughs) fierce just ones that are like right off the shelf like don't know whatever they're going to release next that just look great like next percent kind of yeah. yes that kind of level uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah it's difficult it's difficult I feel like maybe gifted the the, the two-piece gym set just because I've only got one is <laughs> is featured way too many times in my fitness space just the, the green gym shark one it's like the only the only lot the long one I have I've got I've got like short ones but the long the long um what they call legging ones then you got one of them so it would it would be very helpful right at this stage in my life to be gifted a <laughs> gym set <laughs> okay anyone thinking of getting Hannah any gifts in the future you know what to do. <laughs> okay oh, no. favorite season of the year summer summer okay I thought that like, <laughs> like not even a question I I honestly just love the summer like the sun like Oh, it's just amazing. I just love being warm. I, I like kind it. of low-key wish I lived in a hot country. Yeah, I was about to ask that. Like, if my next question is, if you could be anywhere right now, where would that be? And I assume it would like, be somewhere hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we go to Cyprus every year. I've got like family links there and stuff. Um, it kind of feels like a home from home, and it's just so lovely. Like, hot. It's just vibes everywhere um yeah it's just nice mainly because it's sunny and sunny and warm but 
yeah it's also a nice place good food as well so your actual goal for 2021 is to move to cyprus so forget what you said <laughs> before it's actually i'm moving to cyprus honestly it's not even far off i'm not gonna lie okay next one late night or early morning oh do you know what i, I like a bit of both i'm the same i can like um do you know I love an early morning and also I work and train well in the morning um but then again you know when you're just with good people like staying up late is just fun isn't it yeah like it's just, yeah a bit of both to be honest I can I can adjust to the mood to the vibes exactly it's all about balance you know you need a <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. and last one favorite podcast um the the female athlete one that we were talking about earlier I think that's insanely good it's inspiring it's educating um really refreshing to hear that you know it's being talked about um and there's people trying to make a change exactly I was hoping you were going to say this one but it's fine I'll let it slide <laughs> <laughs> this one as well but I yeah I agree like I think they need they need to post more more episodes because I remember listening and having that kind of kind of epiphany switch moment you were saying when you're reading that book is I was like this is me oh my god (laughs) I have this or like this is what's happened to me or this happened to my friend like so so relatable do you know what it's it's um these sort of issues as well are so common but so taboo um I think she she says a stat doesn't she in that um podcast and it's like 50% 50% of um, student athletes have no menstrual cycle. It's kind of like normalized when it shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? It's like that sort of thing. So interesting. It's just, they've got great, great stats on there as well. It's just really good podcast. Yeah, everyone check that out. But more importantly, check out this <laughs> first and then watch that. that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it's been such a pleasure having you on um and pleasure talking to you as well thank you for having me i know i hope you stay safe and sane during lockdown 3.0 those going and we'll be fine making those thick smoothies yes okay so (laughs) thanks for listening everyone and tune in next week for the next episode of the running minds podcast